Last week, we closed a door to open a door. Together, we completed my assignment. You know that God asked me, I think it's nine months ago, to walk with you, dear listener, to walk with you, reader, through the unfinished book. And it's my discovering heaven experience. I shared in the stories of my memoirs the workings of truth. It's a rough draft sequence of so many activations. Activations that adjudicated the law of religion and delivered the freedom of the Spirit into my life. Today, we open a brand new door. We pull back the veil afresh with you. And, you know, I've read, if you're reading or if you've read my book or if you're currently listening to several of the episodes, or if you've walked with me thus far, I very much appreciate it and say, well done. Thank you. (laughs) We choose some good, intense meat around here, don't we? And we have begun to understand the principle and the cost to know him. Together through different and similar experiences, God has aligned us to arrive with a well-used bank of heaven register. (laughs) Our deposit book has a deep indent written in big letters across it, and it's a weighty impression, and it reads, Deposit and cost. God's book of remembrance reads as such, and he remembers, and we also bring him into our remembrance. In Malachi 3, 16-18, at this time, those who feared the Lord spoke with one another, and the Lord listened, and he heard them. So a scroll of remembrance was written before him regarding those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, and on that day when I prepare my treasured possessions, I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. You know, each of us has a scenario that might sound a little bit like this. The scenario of when, you know, we've discovered our spirits have been drawn into heaven. Part of you, the path, has a collection of, you know, really good questions strewn from pebble to boulder to cornerstone. That is what drew us beyond the veil. And part of us, the heaven is simply answering a prayer that has your name on it because those prayers are eternal. Do you remember last week, in last week's episode, how I shared in our final court of heaven ascension, proceeding through the unfinished book, remember that Jesus kicked over the prayer bowls? <laughs> Or maybe your discovery in Beyond the Veil, and it's part of your destiny designed to unpack those secrets, your DNA 
to understand your redemptive gift, which calls you to the unseen things. <laughs> Revelations 5, 1 through 8, and the Lamb takes the scroll. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one seated on the throne. It had writing on both sides and was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look inside it. And I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside it. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of Jesse, has triumphed to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb who appeared to have been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which represented the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came, and he took the scroll from the right hand of the one seated on the throne. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, and each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. <laughs> Curiosity is a form of cost. Many of you are curious, but few find the strength of self to remain. You know, when the crowd has left and they've turned off their phone cameras, the curious ask questions. They expect the universe to answer. <laughs> if your ears are new to the podcast today, welcome. I boldly say that God has led you here divinely. Your heart has been searching in secret to locate a deposit of words, hearing the sound of a tribe who is seated in heavenly places. Those truth and affirmations, they confirm truths that heaven has already deposited in your spirit and in the genesis of your beginning in him. <laughs> and we all say, Amen and welcome, right? Welcome. Welcome to Intentional Now Podcast, an engaging workshop discussion on change and purpose and redefining. What do we say yes to? Hello, I am Kristen Wombeck. I am a spiritual entrepreneur and I am chasing bold dreams. I am doing the work and I'm asking really good questions. And I am getting life done. Done, you might say? Yes, this life that we are meant to live. Let's do this. <laughs> Yay! Hello! I just, I kind of changed it up in this particular season. We are starting a brand new series today. Brand new. That is our takeaways today. A brand new series. A brand new place to lay a foundation. We're going to be looking at the timeline of our earthly ministry transformation. What do I mean? 
So there's a timeline and I gauge it to my life. So when I started my transformation with Jesus, I have known Jesus, known about Jesus, but there was a particular time that I allowed him as my Lord to begin to transform my heart and my mind and my life. And that's the period of time I'm talking about. And through his eyes, there was a collection of best-selling Christian books. I'm going to refer to those books in this next section of the series. So I'm encouraging you to bring your assignment along with mine. We can do this together. Mm-hmm. Together. Together, we can just put... um our assignments on the table. So this collection of best-selling Christian books in this series, I'll refer to them and I, yep, I have supplied you with links from my website as they accompany my next assignment. As I rekindle and I research their timeline or earthly transformation through the author's eyes, I'm both excited and sober to imagine the possibilities. And you know me, I have a very large imagination. (laughs) So you are a very important key to my journey. And I'm asking you for some patience. Yep, asking you for patience. I also invite you, I'm point blank, inviting you to bring your own personal divine assignment on this journey with me. Mm -hmm. Even though, you know, we may be miles away and the sound waves of our spirits, well, they'll speak to us and it'll bring us together in a collective unison of encouragement. You know, I can see this picture in my mind's eye. We're sitting in a heavenly place at what appears to be like hmm, a large university library. I can imagine I've seen so many of those in heaven, right? (laughs) And the table is large enough for 12 people. And the surface of the table is just covered with books and papers and laptops and scrolls. And, you know, I even saw these, oh, let me see, I called them um, divine scribing devices that aren't manifest on the earth yet. So I want that idea, right? (laughs) But in They were totally in our use, totally in our use. So I can imagine us, you know, like how rabbinical students, how they argue the written task and they get in each other's faces and they have these great arguments that bring forth truth. Well, yeah, I can see us doing that. And we're going to discuss those truths and then we're going to introduce, hey, I had this experience and I had this encounter and boy, That swayed the truth that I knew, the truth that I used to hold on to. I am so honored to study and write and discover with you in this discovery series. I ask for your opinion, and I will look for you to respond. Yep. I invite you to respond in the comments, respond on my website, respond in social media, and also respond in comments through prayer. Mm -hmm. So this collection of books, I will refer to them throughout this particular assignment. Um, Ask questions, right? So how did God 
divinely write them and deposit them in a particular reference of time. And I will ask a question to myself. I'll ask the question of my reader and to my podcast listener. What did God deposit through the book? And we will discuss the results it has had on our generation. Together, we'll ask such questions as this. Um, did I miss the deposit? Or did we receive the deposit? I'm talking as individuals or as a corporate body of Christ. So what is the residue and the testimony that remains from that particular book? (laughs) We're also going to ask questions of the book's divine installment and ask if the words written, have they gained interest? Interest in my life, interest in the body of Christ for the master. So I'm walking this thought next to the parable of the talents found in Matthew 25. Gaining interest. I have more questions for you. Do we need to open a new account? Or maybe we even need to close old accounts. We may need to discover an entirely new accounting system to steward divine resources. And that door of discovery, it's open today. Yep, I opened it. We've opened it. I've opened my mouth. I've shared it with you. And here we go. (laughs) Yes, here we go. Here we go. It's so exciting and Oh, what's one of my favorite? Let me look this up. I'm going to grab my book. It's back here. It's one of my favorite, favorite quotes. I can find her. I should know it it right off the top of my head. Uh Uh-huh. I should. I'm looking in my book here. I found it. See how well I know it. (laughs) Oh, there is something delicious about writing the first words of a story. You never quite know where they'll take you. Mm, my favorite quote from Beatrix Potter. She's awesome. You know, the, the author and the artist who created um, a Benjamin Bunny and Jemima Puddle Duck and this wonderful, wonderful kids book series. Yeah. Yes, so we're opening that door today. Yeah, and when I was writing out my thoughts today for this episode, I did hear you. You said, and what will you get out of this? It's always a good question. Because I realize that you are devoting time to listen and walk with me. So it's a good question. What will you get out of this? A coach is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear, who has you see what you don't want to see so you can be who you have always known you could be. Tom Landry, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys football team. Let me say that again with you. A coach is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear. Who, ha- who has you see what you don't want to see 
so you can be who you always have known you could be. In our workshop, workshop style podcast, I'm going to run through that. Those were some busy words. In our workshop style podcast, <laughs> you know, you know, I do this, right? I challenge myself. I challenge my speaking to go back and redo it again. Yep. It keeps me really authentic and it lets you know that I'm serious about practicing and doing better and getting better and increasing my skills in communicating with you. So in our workshop style podcast, <laughs> we are familiar with the call of God on our lives, and we discuss the divine strategies at hand. So, again, I invite you into community and partnership. How you experience and express this podcast, your assignment, my assignment, you know, that's really between you and God. I have provided a platform of resources created for such a time as this, and I will con continue to provide resources. So I've also given you an invitation, which includes subscribing as a patron. And that subscription provides a behind-the-scenes view of the podcast, a collection of exclusive benefits and items. Yeah. You get to see the whole full view of the Intentional Now podcast. There are so many benefits. And as we walk through this um, assignment together, there's going to be special things that um, my patrons and myself that we're going to be able to do and share together. Hmm. Again, what will you get out of this? What questions do you have laying on the table? You're saying, Lord, I need to hear the answer. What has he put on your table? We're sitting at this huge university library table. What resources are there before us? Right? So all men dream, but not equally. Those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds wake in the day to find that it was vanity. But the dreamers of the day, oh, they're dangerous men, dangerous women, for they may act on their dreams with their eyes open to make them possible. That's a quote from T.E. Lawrence. So let the questions we ask righteously govern the plumb line of our hearts and spirits to bring forth the treasures waiting for us in this season of discovery. I'm letting that resonate in me. I'm going to say that again. I'm letting that resonate in me. I'm setting the platform of commitment and expectation for this assignment. Let the questions we ask righteously govern the plumb line of our hearts and spirits to bring forth the treasures waiting for us in this season of discovery. There's something to be said about your attitude 
determining how far you will go. <laughs> there is something to be said about your attitude determining how far you will go. That is a quote from the former New York Jets coach, and he had to say this about attitudes. Ability is what you're capable of doing. Motivation determines what you do, and attitude determines how well you do it. Gosh, I got, I got to repeat it again. It's so good. Ability is what you're capable of doing, and motivation determines what you do, and attitude determines how well you do it. Coach Lou Holtz. As we look at a perspective of Jesus' parable in the talents. Yes, let's look at that perspective. Let's just walk beside it and let it teach us. Here's a brief overview. So the parable of the talent talents is one of the most popular parables Jesus shared to teach us what the kingdom of heaven is like. Well, in addition to the primary points of the parable, there are seven life lessons, at least directly right in front of our face, right? So if you are unfamiliar with this parable of the talents, it's found in Matthew 25. In a summary, a master gave three of his servants five, two, and one talent based on what they could handle. Well, the servants then were given five and two. They doubled their talents when the master returned and they were rewarded. Well, on the other hand, the servant that was given just one talent, he didn't do anything with it. And as a result, his one talent was taken away and given to the other servant that started with the five. So let's just go over those seven life lessons, right? So we are given based on our ability. Now we have to add grace into that ability because when we add grace into our ability, then what we're given has the propulsion to move us forward. There's faithfulness over a little and it requires more. So when you are faithful over a little, you get more. The more you receive, the more that's required. Yeah. <laughs> the more you receive, the more that's required. There's a responsibility there. So do what you can with what you have. Offer it, give it, learn it, experience it, encounter it. Fear keeps us from success. Uh-huh. Fear Fear keeps us from success. And what wasn't used was given to another. Hmm. And faith without works is totally dead. So as I read this text and I, I mull over it with you, I can feel that like there's this flashlight of truth and it's shining on it because I know that there's more there. I know there's more truth there that's going to come from it and shine on it and it's going to be different than what we currently understand. So I just look at it with um, humility 
and boldness. And I ask God, just shine the plumb line about those talents and resources and abilities. And I'm going to ask these questions. Have I buried any of my talents or abilities? Father, I ask for your forgiveness. Did I add just one measure to the substance, to the gift? Just one measure. Or is multiplication my reward? <laughs> All right, I heard Jack. All right, I'm going to say those again. So we are chewing over and meditating on the resources, the abilities and the talents and the gifts that God's given us, right? And we're walking it like a mirror next to the parable of the talents. So I, I ask myself, did I bury any of those things in fear? And then we know that my response is, it's a natural part of relationship. God, I ask for your forgiveness for partnering with fear. But then I ask the question, did I only get one measure from it? Did I only um, double it? Like one plus one equals two, did I only take this and I only doubled it? Hmm, what do I feel about that? Or am I confident in its multiplication? There are manifold cities waiting to be given, loved, and restored. This particular scripture is one of my life passages. Isaiah 61, 4. And they shall build up the ancient ruins, and they shall raise up the former devastations, and they shall repair the ruined cities and the devastation of many generations. And that's one of the reasons why we're here today. That just sits in the core of my thought and my forehead. It motivates me and it helps me to focus, to discover this series, this time, this discovery time. We must ask why. I always ask why. And then convicts the whys of the past. So why of the past, I can convict it so that I'm laying them to rest in the finished work of the cross. So my why is after the fact, it's not before the fact. It's after the fact. Mm -hmm. So to discover, we must call our spirits to the forefront of the classroom and allow ourselves to be intrinsic Glee. Oh, I messed up that word. Okay. <sighs> breathe in, breathe out. Intrinsically. I'm still stumbling over intrinsic. Okay. You know the word. Forgive me. Intrinsically. Intrinsically. I think I got it. <laughs> we must allow ourselves to be intrinsically taught. That inner part, that inner part of us one-on-one, -on -one, intrinsically taught from the unseen 
and seated in heavenly places. We need to allow ourselves to move to the front of the classroom and say, Jesus, here I am, teach me. Questions. You know, our questions can be fearful, but answers will be born in the peace and the fullness of the gospel. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing can separate our loved ones from the love of God, and nothing can separate humanity from the love of God. Nothing and nothing can separate us from our sonship and carrying the love of God for all creation. Nothing. There is a similar saying coined by two men. Zig Ziglar and Stephen Covey. Your attitude determines your altitude. In the light of heavenly truth and a perspective of being seated in heavenly places, how will we rightly divide attitude? Hmm. I will say it again, in the light of heavenly truth and the perspective of being seated in heavenly places, how will we rightly divide attitude, our attitude, my attitude, your attitude, sitting at the forefront of the classroom, sitting in this library of heaven together, rightly dividing the word of truth and experiencing the truth living in us, writing in it on the tables of our heart. Your attitude determines your altitude. So I join, I invite you to join me, and I'm excited to open up this door, this mandate, this assignment. Yeah, it is known, but it's unknown. I know where I'm going, but I don't know every pathway that I will walk down on its journey. And I'm inviting you and your assignments to come walk with me. Our attitude determines our altitudes. And I'm going to leave that with you here today. Thank you so much for being a part of this with me. I look forward to where God is taking us and Lord, we just give you praise for the door that is opened. We walk through its threshold. And we thank you for changing attitudes and increasing altitudes. I'll talk to you again next week. Bye now. <laughs>